What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, the lead draft guy at BR, and joining me every Wednesday also from BR, my man Connor Rogers. Connor, what's up, man? Not much, dude. Uh, how are we feeling after the big Nashville trip? Um, I think my kidneys still hurt. <laughs> as good as you could feel, I guess. Yeah. the You know, Mello, uh, who was there with me, tweeted that, that he is going to write a book called Tales from Nashville. And I begged him, please don't write it until I'm like no longer employed by a public company because there's some stories yes. that I don't want to come out. Um, so it was good, though. It was a... It was supposed to be a break, right? We were supposed to get away and have a break, and then things just kept happening. We had to record a podcast from there, which is always a good time. And then the Jets-Colts trade happened, and it was just like day after day of, okay, well, I'm just actually going to work on vacation. But that's okay because today we have a kick-ass show. We're going to basically break the hell down out of that trade, that Colts-Jets trade, because it completely shakes up the landscape, not only for those two teams, but also for other teams like the Bills, the Broncos, the Cardinals that need a quarterback. We're going to have a great interview with one of my favorite players in the draft, Boise State linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch. And then we're going to answer y'all's questions uh, with some draft on draft like we always do there at the end. But I, I, because I haven't talked to you really since this trade went down, we texted back and forth a little bit. But I just, what was your reaction when you wake up? What, was it Friday morning? We wake up and Saturday. Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's how my week went. And it's like, I'm trying to sleep off a night before and I basically wake up and it's like, oh my God, this just happened. And what what did you think when you woke up and saw this trade? Man, it turned Saturday upside down. So I, I went out Thursday a little too hard. So Friday I, I stayed in, I caught up on a ton of work and I was still up really late. So I woke up Saturday and I was just cooking breakfast, getting ready for the day. It was St. Patrick's Day and uh, had plans later in the night. And this trade cut. Well, the Jets tweet out a GIF that and it says moving on up. So everybody freaks out, freaks out because, number one, you hope the team's not teasing everyone and it's right. some kind of troll attempt. And then they announced the trade like three minutes later. And number one, I've been saying it to you. I've been saying it on the radio the Jets had to get to three, and it was always pick number three. Yeah, you said it last week. It was the relationship with the Colts and the lack of the relationship with the New York Giants because the Giants can't trade that pick to the Jets. No, you can't help the Jets. You, can, you can't help the Jets, and the Browns have no interest in moving out of number one because I think they know they have to take a quarterback there, which is probably Sam Darnold. So it was always number three. Now, my reaction was, holy shit, they got it done in the middle of March. Adam Schefter went on ESPN right away and was like, this is an upside-down NFL world where GMs are getting let go over the summer and NFL draft trades are happening in March. Yeah. There's no quiet time anymore. So those were my initial thoughts outside of I knew it was going to be a very long workday. But this trade makes so much sense. And for anyone knocking it, they are clueless on the quarterback class. They are clueless on the history and the position the New York Jets are in. And they're also clueless on the Colts side that the Colts needed to rebuild a their whole roster almost besides quarterback. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, there's a lot to unpack, right? So much With this trade. So um, much. But I wanted to get your raw reaction because yes, you're an analyst and you're unbiased, but you are. I mean, you grew up a Jets fan, so there's there's a lot going on there for you. But I, I think something that you just said there is is very spot on and needs to be said because I've seen people tweeting about. The Jets gave up too much. And because, and they're quoting the draft value chart. That chart. Oh, God. That chart, by the way, is it, it was great back in the day. But there are two things. Yeah, there are two <laughs> things the trade chart does not address. Okay. Number one, that every draft class is different. So the values are different. And this is thought to be a top heavy draft without a lot of depth. And so you have to account for that when you're looking at those values, especially late first round values, or I would say even mid first round values are probably not going to be as high this year because there's a drop off. Number two, you throw that fucking chart in the trash when you're talking about going up to get a quarterback. It, it does not matter. And I, I think the, the, my first thought was the Jets didn't give up their first rounder next year. That's huge. That was my, my first thought as well. I was shocked. Second shocked. thought. And I bet, I, I hope that that every other, I hope every Jets fan in America hears this or has already had this thought. You guys traded Sheldon Richardson to Seattle for Jermaine Curse and a second round pick. 
Sheldon Richardson plays for the Minnesota Vikings now. He played a year in Seattle. Didn't help them. I mean, they weren't they weren't any good this year. They didn't make that run that everyone expected. That defense that was supposed to be dominant fell apart. You traded a player that you were going to lose already and got back a very, very good wide receiver and a pick that allows you to now go get a quarterback. What if they let's just I'm going to jump ahead a little. If they draft Josh Rosen and he becomes a Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning type quarterback that a lot of people think he can be. Fuck yeah, you would do that every day of the week to trade every day. To trade three twos to move up to get a guy of that caliber. We we talked about it on the show last week. This is how you build a team. It's not through free agency. It's by drafting a young quarterback and then filling in the gaps around him with a foundation. So I I don't think there's a loser in this trade. Now, of course, as long as Chris Ballard and Mike McCagnan make the correct picks to build their teams. But I love that they were aggressive and going up to get their guy. And a lot of people have asked me, and even, you know, like my buddies, uh, Mitch and Cole, we were all sitting around talking about this when we were in Nashville. They're like, why would you make this trade now instead of when you're on the clock? And the reason is, you know, it's like the the price is only going to go up the closer we get to the draft because there's going to be panic. And also, you had to do it before the Bills did it. You had to do it before the Broncos tried to, the Cardinals any other team that wants a quarterback in this draft, you had to get in front of them. So I don't think there's a too early to make this trade. No, I think you had to get out in front. Like you said, the Bills would have paid more. I Listen, the Jets almost, it feels like the Colts did the Jets a favor in a sense. Now, the Colts, Chris Ballard, the same day to the media said, I did not want to move out of the top 10 because I did not want to miss the chance to land a premium player, which means Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. Those are premium players. He did not want to miss the chance. So he didn't want to go all the way back to 12. But still, the Jets get the value here. Listen, they trade the three second-round picks. There is some value in second-round picks. Of course there are. Guess what? For the Jets franchise, before Marcus May last year, who seems like a hit, in the second round, they took Christian Hackenberg, Devin (laughs) Smith, Jason Morrow, Geno Smith, Stephen Hill, and Vlad Dukas. There's since some studs two, in that list, buddy. <laughs> since 2010, that's been the second round for the New York Jets, who have not had a franchise quarterback since Chad Pennington's shoulder exploded. And he hey. was a solid quarterback after that, but that's how long it's been. Yeah, and another thing, you, you mentioned it there. So the Bills are a major player in this because they, they had picks 21 and 22. They take pick 21 and Cordy Glenn, and they package it in a couple late-round swaps to move up to 12. And one thing that I heard consistently, you know, because, yeah, I was on vacation, but I'm you've been with me on vacation where I'm just working my phone like a madman. Of course. And one thing that I heard consistently, because I, I reached out to a lot of those teams that are between now, you know, picks four and 11. And it's like, who wants to move? Who wants to move back to 12? And I, I think that's something that's going to be interesting because the Bills do want to come up. But. The Giants seem like they do not want to trade out of that number two spot, and that could definitely change if someone blew them away. But what I what I was told was the Giants are not going to want to go back to twelve, even if they got twelve and twenty two. They they don't want to do that because they want to get either Saquon Barkley or Quentin Nelson. And the Browns may be at four, but the Jets are at three, so that's fine. If the Browns want to trade out of four to get twelve and twenty two, they can do that. But it, it, the feeling is definitely that, and I know some people, it's weird how anything the Jets do, people are critical of, but people are saying, well, they must like three quarterbacks. That is true. You you have to look at it that way. But I think it's also very, very valid that they probably feel damn good that the Giants aren't trading out of two and they're not taking a quarterback. And I would say a lot of the moves they've made this year would point to the fact that they're not going to draft a quarterback at two that they're going to go with a BPA, whether that's Barkley or Nelson. Yeah, listen, you don't make this move unless you like three of the at least three of the quarterbacks. That's another thing. The people are like, are the Jets just slowly working the way up, or how do you make this move without knowing who you're getting? The Jets have Albert Breer actually had a really good piece on this. That listen, the Jets have been doing their homework on quarterbacks since last summer. Okay, this isn't like a oh they missed on Kirk Cousins. 
it's March 17th. We better figure <laughs> something out. They know yeah, everything there is to know about every single quarterback in this class. It's insane. Now, back to the Giants, because we did want to talk about how the top really five or ten is going to shake out in this draft. They know who they're taking, and I, I, I agree with you that they don't have any desire to move. Now, the question is, is it Saquon Barkley? Is it Quentin Nelson? Or is it a quarterback? If it's a quarterback, they've played everyone. I'm yeah. not I'm not so fast to rule out, you know, because people are like, you can't take a running back second overall. Dave Gettleman just took Christian McCaffrey at eighth overall. He exactly. was a less, he's a lesser prospect than Saquon, so I'm not ruling that out. No, I wouldn't either. And I think, you know, kind of back to my point, the moves that they've made to pick up Nate Solder, to pick up uh Patrick Omomea, to to you know, add even another receiver and a and a and a really good special teams guy in Cody Latimer. Like they getting Jonathan Stewart, a lot of the moves that they've made point tell me that they think that there's enough talent here to make a run. Like this doesn't look like a complete rebuild. Not to go pay Alec Ogletree, not to pay Kareem Martin. You know, guys who can round out this roster. Um, and to to get uh, Curtis Riley, an, an underrated nickelback that I've heard a lot of people really like. So it, I look at the Giants as let's try to plug in Saquon because he's going to extend the life of Eli Manning. He's going to make Eli's next three years look passable because he's going to get safeties out of the box. He's, he's going to be a, a threat that can carry this offense a little bit. So I, I I would be shocked at this point if the Giants did something other than Saquon or Quentin Nelson. But um, before we move on to the Colts, who should the Jets pick at three? It should be Josh Rosen. It, he's the best quarterback in this draft. He's tailor-made for New York City. Um, you know, listen, I understand the personality concerns, but I'm a believer that, listen, Jeremy Bates got the most we'd ever seen out of Jay Cutler. <laughs> That's true. In 2008, the second-ranked offense in the NFL, Jay Cutler and the Denver Broncos play caller Jeremy Bates, he would do the same for Josh Rosen. Now, if Rosen is gone, I have no problem with Baker Mayfield. No, You don't think that's Baker. too early? No. He's going to win a lot of football games, and he would be perfect for that Jets locker room. He is the offense's Jamal Adams, essentially, is what he is. And one more thing, the Jets are going to go into, they have about $46 million in cap space right now. They're going to go into year number two with this rookie quarterback who's going to get the opportunity to sit behind your guy, Teddy Bridgewater, this year and Josh McCown with a, probably the most cap space in the league again. They can go buy whatever offensive line and wide receivers they want with the rookie quarterback. So this was the, forget the draft picks, this was the right move. And... I do want to go. We should. We got to explain too. It's a great move for the Indianapolis Colts. A great move for a team that's rebuilding. They have a ton of picks. They got. They only moved back three spots. I still think they get Bradley Chubb. And, and yes, is it a slow? But it's a slow rebuild for Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds, and and Rex Hogan. Yeah, but listen, slow and steady. And this team is is gonna figure this thing out in a year or two from now. Well, and I would say the rebuild, if Andrew Luck is healthy, will not yes, be that slow. If you get Bradley Chubb at six, and then you have now, what, three picks in the second round, that rebuild might not take that long with what they so, have. So hear me out. 36, uh, 37, 49. Yep. That's pretty fucking good. You could get four starters. Yeah, and you have they pick 67th in, overall in the third round. You could get five starters. <laughs> That's not so, a good roster. I ran a simulator with your rankings yesterday and came out with... Uh, they have one, two, three, four, five picks in the top 100. I came out with Bradley Chubb, Ronald Jones, Will Hernandez, Carlton Davis, and Christian Kirk. Jesus Christ. I mean, starting left guard, starting running back, superstar pass rusher, starting corner across from your boy from last year from Florida, Quincy Wilson, Quincy yep. Wilson and a number three wide receiver that also plays special teams in Christian Kirk. Yeah, it looks that looks really, really good. And I think Colts fans should be excited because you and I, and, and especially me, uh, before the podcast started, we went so all in on Chris Ballard as the best GM candidate yes. that was out there. And now like you guys are gonna you have, like you just said, all those picks, and you have one of the best evaluators in the world making those picks for you. So and I do I agree with you. 
I think Bradley Chubb will be there at six. I don't think there's any way the Giants take him. I would be very, very surprised if Cleveland takes him at four. Denver's got to go quarterback at five, or, or at least everything right now is pointing in that direction. So I, I'm with you at, at six. So if I had to make my predictions, I, have, I, I genuinely have not heard anything about who the Jets like at three. It's going to be a quarterback. And maybe between now and, you know, we got about five weeks, there's a, a good chance that I'm going to hear from someone. But the Jets have locked it down since uh, McCagnan and those guys took over. So we may not, you know, hear exactly who it's going to be. But, you know, I know you said you want it to be Rosen. I, I think that I would be surprised if it were Baker Mayfield just because of, like you said, you worry about Rosen's personality in New York. I worry more about yeah, Baker's. That's and, fair. You know, like if I were the Jets, I would almost want Jamal Adams. I don't even know if this is legal. Like I would want him involved when these guys come in for private workouts, just because I think he's the unquestioned leader of this team moving forward. So I would want him involved in this to say, "Hey, how how's this guy going to be viewed in the locker room? Is this is this team gonna?" And I know that's the GM's job and the coach's job to have a feel for their locker room, but. I would want to know, does Jamal think that Rosen's going to fit in? You know, is, does he think Baker's going to fit in? Or one thing that I've heard a lot the last week is it, now teams are saying that Baker's fake. You know, and it's not, it's not real that it's, you know, his cockiness is not confidence. So I would want to talk to someone like Jamal and Marcus May and maybe even Tremaine Johnson to say, hey, I know you guys are on defense, but how's, how are these guys going to be viewed in the locker room? And then if you're the Colts, Everything I've heard about Bradley Chubb is just rock solid. Like there's yep. there's no concerns with this guy that people think he's just gonna step right in and be a stud, you know, four three defensive end. That's what they're going to. It's he's tailor made for what they're trying to do defensively. So that one almost seems like it'll be the pick that everyone in the world has mock draft for them. It is interesting, going back to what you said about those three guys and and uh, the defensive backs on the Jets being a part of that process. It kind of feels like the Jets are following the Seattle model of building their own Legion of Boom on the back end in the secondary and getting the young quarterback to play on the rookie wage scale these next five years. I think so. It's, and yeah. I would be I would be remiss if we didn't talk about my boy Josh Allen. And I was gonna make this my scout quote this week, but you know, a while back, I don't know, maybe several weeks back, I had said that, you know, there's legitimate talk this guy could go first overall. That talk is not dying, by the way. I, I, if I had to put money on it, I would say Darnold is going to be the first pick, but I don't think that that's a sure thing. And if, if he's he's in play at one, Josh Allen is, I think he's definitely in play at three. The talk from everyone since the Senior Bowl and definitely since the Combine has been, this might be the rare dude. He might be the unicorn whose accuracy gets better because his mechanics were bad, and it's you can see the point A to point B of where he's gotten better. So I know people are just going to say that I'm just stumping for the dude that I've been hyping for a year, but he's going to be a top five pick. No doubt. No doubt. I think it's safe to say four quarterbacks are a lock for the top five. It would be madness, right? But it would be great just because it it's funny how circular this shit is that last summer, you remember me, you and Mello were breaking all these quarterbacks down. Yes. And this might be 2004 all over again with all these great quarterbacks. And then the season starts and everybody's like, ah, damn, these guys aren't any guys good. Suck. You guys lied yeah. to us. And now it literally, it, it honestly could go Darnold at one Rosen at three, a, a trade at four where someone comes yes. up for Rosen and, and Baker at, at, or Josh at five. Like they, it, it would be, amazing and as a 49ers fan I would be so happy because that means more good players are going to get pushed down to number nine. Oh, it completely shakes up this top 10 because listen like you said I do think either the Giants or the Browns trade and I put them I put my money on the Browns at four so I think you go I think we see quarterbacks come off at one three four and, and five and I, I also give credit this year I think teams have learned it seems like now, the Bills, I don't know if they've done this, if they come up, but the Browns, the Jets, and the Broncos have done, a, and even if the Giants do go through it, have done a really nice job setting up an environment that a rookie quarterback can succeed in, where they get to sit for a year, they get to learn behind pros, there's no rush. This is the way to do it. I know there's this contingent that thinks, hey, if a guy can play, he could play right away. I just, I don't buy it. I, I think that sitting for a year in a lot of scenarios 
is the way to go. And I think you see all the the movement on these bridge quarterbacks getting a lot of money in this market or costing a decent amount of assets. It's for a good reason. Well, and our guy, Pat Mahomes, told me at the Super Bowl, sitting for a year was the best thing that could have ever happened to him because he had to learn how to play quarterback. And he had that opportunity. And and to play behind it, a guy who was very smart and very helpful in Alex Smith. So that idea that, oh, if you can play, you can play, it, it's not true. And I would say, looking at the top four, that of the schemes that they ran, Baker's the one who's going to, it's going to take the longest mentally for him to get caught up because he is coming out of spread at Tech and spread at OU. And I know that Bates is a great OC. He's going to tailor the scheme. If they draft Baker Mayfield and, and he gets on the field, it might be a, like a Deshaun Watson type deal where, okay, well, let's just run that offense and make it work with these five pretty good receivers that we have and now a pretty good running back in Isaiah Crowell. So it, it is so situational, and it, I'm, I'm looking forward to after the draft when we can start breaking these traits down from these quarterbacks with the team they're on. But it's a, it's a pretty damn exciting time, and we still got five weeks until the draft. Uh, yeah, and I think, like you said, maybe the best is yet to come. There's going to be more movement. I fully expect there to be more movement. And like you said, there's going to be really good players that fall down the board. You know, will the Colts get end up getting Bradley Chubb? You know, will the Bucks end up getting a guy like Denzel Ward or Quentin Nelson? There's good players in this draft. How far does Roquan Smith go? Tremaine Edmonds. There's so many good players in this draft. And the quarterback run, which is justified, I totally get the teams taking a quarterback, but it's going to push this, you know, the five to seven blue chippers at other positions down the board. All right, guys. We, like I said at the top of the show, really excited about the guest that we have today, a player that, I remember when this guy declared, I was like, this is a top 50 pick. And I thought it was a hot take. And now I'm like, man, this, this guy might be a top 20 pick. So Leighton Vander Esch, Boise State, uh, underclassman linebacker. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So the first thing I got to ask you about, dude, this bus that your family took to the uh, <laughs> to the bowl game. Number one, I'm jealous because you know my I can't even get like an like an RV for us to do the uh, the podcast tour right now. But how did that whole come about? Like, and they're taking a bus from Idaho all the way to Vegas to watch you play football. <laughs> yeah, so it was about I don't know, it was probably two years ago, close to two years ago, not quite. Uh, my dad decided. I mean, he wanted to get a bus or something to to take to the games and everything. And I didn't know what to think of it at first, and I didn't know whether it was going to turn out cool or what it was, but I know he, I know he always, he always goes all out on everything he does. So, uh, yeah, he went and got this bus. I uh, got a pretty good deal on it. It's from California. He used to take people to Disneyland and back and forth from like hotels and stuff like that, shuttles. And so he got it, brought it home, and uh, some of our really close family friends that live out the road from us and, and on the other side of town from us. Uh, have a decal, have a decal shop and a paint shop, like a body shop. So we got them to do the paint and the decals. So it, was, <laughs> it worked out, it worked out nice for that. And then the inside, he completely renovated that and took out a bunch of seats in the back, put in some tables and stuff, and put some seats around. And you can play cards and do whatever you want back there. There's a bunch of space. It's yeah, like it's the the ultimate tailgate bus too, you know, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, uh, we'll have to tweet out a picture. Cause when I read the story, I was thinking like, like a little like church bus, but no, it's like a big, like you said, like one of those Disneyland shuttle buses. So it's, uh, yep. it's pretty sweet, but man, you really kind of made headlines this year. I don't think a lot of people, especially college football fans because of, you know, kind of that East coast bias and, and people aren't staying up late to watch games, but even a lot of draft fans, didn't know who you were when you decided to declare for the draft. So what all went into that process? Did you know, or at what point, I guess, this year, did you know that, all right, this is probably going to be it? Um, well, I knew even going into the season, if I did what I needed to do, I was going to be in a pretty good position to to make the jump and go and come out and, and pretty much live my dream of playing in the NFL. But uh, it probably really, it really, really hit me with three or four weeks in the season left. Um, like it was coming down the stretch and we made the Mountain West championship game. And that game couldn't have went any better. And 
in the bowl game against Oregon, it was just like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah, and and like I said, immediately when you did, you know, my phone just starts blowing up with guys from the NFL saying, hey, you got to check this guy out. He's going to be, you know, at the time it was, uh, everybody thought you were kind of going to be a second round pick. Is that the feedback that you got? Or did you even go through the process of getting that feedback from like the advisory board and that whole deal? So it's funny. And I put my grade in and it took forever to get it back. And I was like, what is going on with this? Like, I wanted to know. And so I, I eventually just ended up declaring. I hadn't had a grade back yet or anything. And then I got my grade back probably uh, probably a week after I declared and it said stay in school. <laughs> Oops. So <laughs> it was, I mean, to me, it was like, well, to me, the grade is totally wrong. And I feel like a lot of the time, I mean, they just don't want to, they, they just want to seem like they aren't pulling people out of school to me. Uh, that's just my opinion. But I mean, I think it's completely and totally wrong, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, and I, I would say you're not the only uh, player that we've heard that from this year, honestly. And I would tend to agree on my bill of bias, but I, I also think it's wrong. And it, it seems like, especially after a really good combine performance, that your stock is only pointing up. And you know, whether it's myself or the guys at ESPN or NFL Network, everyone's kind of you know falling in love with your tape and your ability. How much of that is because I've read that you were a great basketball player in high school. How much of your game as a linebacker because of the change of direction and having to mirror ball carriers, things like that, and, and especially how good you are in coverage, how much of that goes back to just being a great two-sport athlete? I'm actually glad you brought this up because I'm a huge believer in multi-sport athletes. I think it makes you better. Um, I feel like the kids that spend the whole year just on one sport, I mean, they, I mean, they, I mean yeah, you get folks all that all that uh, energy and, and everything and all that work on one sport. But, I mean, it burns you out, I feel like, for a little bit. Uh, I mean, especially at that age. And being young and, and still developing your body, I feel like it's really important to be dynamic and play and play multi-sports and, and that be a part of your life. And I love basketball, too. I mean, basketball was... My family's big into basketball. All three of my older sisters played college basketball. One played pro in Europe. Uh, I mean, so we're a pretty big basketball family. And, and everybody thought I was going to go play basketball in college instead of football. But, I mean, I knew I wanted to play football at Boise. So uh, and there wasn't anything that was going to change my mind with that. So it worked out. Yeah, and it, like I said, that athleticism definitely shows. So coming off the combine, one thing that always fascinates our listeners is these weird questions that you guys get asked by teams. And, like I understand, like you, you don't have to reveal what team asks what question, but what were just some of the crazy things that you got asked in those little like fifteen minute speed dating type interviews you guys do? <laughs> uh, well, I think I was honestly kind of one of the lucky ones out of everybody because I didn't get very many weird questions. That's, that is really, surprising. <laughs> like the only weird question, the only weird weird one I got, I only had one kind of different interview and. They asked me a couple of weird questions in there. Other than that, I didn't get asked any weird questions at all. I mean, I, like I said, I was pretty lucky. But they asked me, uh, they asked me if I had a bottle with a quarter in the bottle and a cork in the top. How do I get the quarter out without breaking the bottle or uh, or pulling the cork out? That is- and I tried figuring it out. I was like, okay, we'll squeeze the bottle and then the cork will pop out and dump the quarter out. But he said he looked at me like. He looked at me like I was dumb. <laughs> and it was like, it's a glass bottle. And I was like, okay, well, I sat there for like 10 or 15 seconds trying to figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out. Did you like immediately Google it when you got out of the interview to be like, wow, what is the answer to this question? Because I'm I'm no. also trying to figure it out. Maybe someone could tweet us and let us know the, the proper answer to that, because I, <laughs> I really don't know either. I didn't look it up right afterwards. I didn't worry about it. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> and then, then I told I told my buddies about it and they looked it up and uh, I guess you're supposed to, I guess you're supposed to push the cork into the bottle oh and then shake it around until the cork falls out like upside down or whatever well I guess I guess neither of us are critical thinkers because I definitely didn't <laughs> didn't think of that <laughs> off the top I'd be like I'm I'm just gonna yeah. break the bottle okay so because of weird questions we do something at the end of every interview it's called the gauntlet 
We ask everyone we have on the show the same five questions, and that I promise they're not that difficult. So the first one is, what is your pregame go-to meal? Uh, probably spaghetti. You probably would not be surprised by this because you're around a ton of athletes. We Every answer we get is spaghetti. So I think we're going to have to change that question because that has to be the most popular food for every athlete before a game. Well, I feel like every school feeds them that. That's like that's like the main food that they feed them right before the game. Because that's like what they feed us. Yeah. In the press box, we get like hot dogs. So you need you <laughs> got to sneak up there. Uh, all right. Second question. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? To fly. It's a good one. Especially being from Idaho because you got to fly. It's so far to get everywhere, right? So yeah. that's a good one. Okay. So the one game none of your friends can beat you at, like it could be Madden or – Horseshoes or FIFA, whatever. Oh, my. Uh, I don't play very many games, video games. I mean, I play Fortnite and Call of Duty, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So are you pretty good uh, at it? Like, Fortnite's the thing right now. Like, that's uh, that's the big one that a lot of people have been answering. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm decent at it. I'm not the best player at it, but <laughs> I think it's fun. And, I mean, well, we're pretty successful. There you go. All right. If you're stranded on a deserted island... Who who's one person you want there with you? Probably my oh I don't know uh, one of my sisters, my okay. sister Kristen. Okay, that's a good answer. I don't think we've had sister before. Deion Sanders said Jesus, and we were like, oh he, wow, like, I didn't know that was an answer. So it's gonna be well, Kristen can like she's crazy and she can she's like a crazy hunter and she can find pretty much anywhere and survive. I'll either pick I would pick my girlfriend or her honestly. Yeah, those are safe those are answers. Too. Yeah. yeah. All right, last one. And since you just said you have a girlfriend, so you might have to use your imagination on this one. Okay. What would your online dating bio say? You know, like if you had a Tinder account or whatever, <laughs> what would what would your one-liner be? <laughs> you're already putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure um, right now. I don't know. We'll have uh, to come up. Uh, we'll have to come up with one for you. We can do that. We can. Uh, we'll, we'll put it out there. Our all the the great stick to football listeners can can send in the the one-liners for you just in case you know things happen you might end up single uh, at some point they can help you yeah. out <laughs> yeah i don't know I have no that. yeah don't worry i i don't think anyone really ever knows what to put on those things so i i think you're pretty safe all right man that's all we have for you uh appreciate your time and like i said we're all we're all really big fans uh here at stick to football and, and looking forward to see where you end up next year awesome thanks man i appreciate it all right, let's close the sucker out, Connor, like we do every week with our draft on draft questions. Thanks one more time to our buddy, Leighton Vander Ash. Uh, really excited to see where he ends up. And you have the best gif of him ever that I'm just going to tweet endlessly this week. It's It really is. It fits the brand so well of him just shouting out our fra- our favorite uh, acronym in LFG. Yeah. Yeah, so, if, if he had like a, a dip, you know, a good light beer somehow in that frame, it would be the most us thing ever. Uh, okay, here is, we're, I guess we're starting draft on draft with the, a question that we would probably <laughs> normally answer on Fridays, but whatever. You know, Anthony, uh, Anthony Oreo sent it in for draft on draft. He wants, he needs your help here, Connor. What's a better feeling being freshly single after a bad relationship or nailing a draft prospect that people gave you shit for? Oh, it's being freshly single after a bad relationship <laughs> because no one, nobody that ever gives you shit for a prospect ever comes back and says, Hey man, you were right. I'll That's never, true. I'll never forget. This is when I fully realized it last year. I tweeted out my quarterback rankings and I had Watson number one and I could probably find the tweet because people love to troll the guy now, even though he, he never came back. He goes, he goes Watson number one. He goes instant unfollow uh, running quarterbacks never pan out. And Oops. like when Watson went on that wild run this year, like people berated the guy because I pinned my tweet and they saw it under it. So, but, uh, so nobody ever really ever gives you the credit after a bad relationship, which I have, I've been in them. Oh my God. The freedom is unbelievable. The things you could do, the time that you realized you never had. It's yeah. It's that's not, the big thing. That's the thing is the time and the places Oh, the places you can go or end yeah. up. So well, definitely the, that. The like the last relationship I got out of, which wasn't a bad one, but like I with all that free time <laughs> that you mentioned, my friends would like I would be like group texting like mellow about like the show or draft four hundred stuff, and he was just like, Oh my god, you are so fucking productive now. Right. It changes it's just, everything. It's all the free time. 
I am going to go opposite of you, though. For me, okay. because I take I take so much shit on Twitter for every opinion I have. So there is no better feeling, even though, like you said, no one ever gives you credit for it. Like, there's nothing better than than being right on a prospect that that especially that like a lot of people get on you about. So, uh, okay, let's move on. Philip Lentz wants to know what players do you think will fall the furthest due to all the trading up for the quarterbacks? That is Ooh. a really good question. I think uh, we went. Yeah, from, go ahead. I think we went from Minka Fitzpatrick being a top five lock to like. I don't really know where he goes. I'm with you. That's exactly who I was going to say. Um, and, and just looking at the draft order, it's even like, God, where where are we going to slot this guy in? Because it, it and it, especially because he is a, a box safety, in my opinion. So that makes it harder where I'm like, I, if the Browns with the moves they made, you know, trading for Demarius Randall, they're going to move Julius uh, Jabril Peppers to strong safety. I do that every damn time. <laughs> if he doesn't go five to Denver, I don't know where he ends up. Uh, it, it might be nine to San Francisco. We mentioned Bradley Chubb. I mean, he's probably fallen from three to six. If Quentin Nelson doesn't go two, he might be another dude that takes a little bit of a hit. He might fall to seven uh, at Tampa Bay. So there, you know, these guys aren't going to take massive falls, but they are going to uh, see a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of more. Those are really the big ones to me. It, because, you know, the need for corner keeps the corners where they're at. The need for pass rusher keeps the pass rushers where they're at. So it, that's, it really has the impact on the, on the safety market a little bit. This next one from Matt Doherty at Mind of Matt D. Who is the best trade partner for the Bears to move down and get more picks? Man, Man that's I, not a good spot to be in, right? No, it, they're an eight. So it's like, okay, you're trying to get ahead of San Francisco and Oakland. I mean, it's, it's honestly Buffalo. But Buffalo is the best trade partner for everyone right now, especially like the Jets motherfucked the Bills so hard on this oh, because they now did. they're going to have to overpay a little bit because they're the last one standing trying to get up. So like we talked about earlier, that price is is higher now because there's more pressure for them to move up. So, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see how the board falls. I know you said earlier you might you could see four quarterbacks go top five because of trades. And if that doesn't happen, like if if Cleveland keeps number four and, and doesn't take a quarterback, you know, we could see maybe maybe Buffalo tries to get ahead of Miami if they feel like the Dolphins could take a quarterback or you start to bid against other teams that might trade up like Arizona or even like some of these teams like Baltimore or the Chargers that need to start thinking quarterback of the future. But you know, the Bears really aren't in an ideal spot right now unless you you're afraid that Miami's going to draft a quarterback and you try to get ahead of them. All right. The next one from Joshua Walker at underscore Joshua Dixie. Who do you guys want or think will be on this year's hard knocks, man? I think they're going to come pretty hard for the Raiders because yeah. of Gruden that you got Marshawn Lynch, who obviously BR did, you know, the own show on him last summer, which had a lot of success with his personality. So you have Marshawn Lynch back there. You have Gruden, Derek Carr is, you know, a really great personality. I, my guess is they go really, really hard at the Raiders. Yeah, the, I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like they're the teams that are eligible would be the Niners, Broncos, Browns, Chargers, Ravens, and Redskins. Okay. So of Niners, that, wow. I would think, yeah, just the Niners because of you have a charismatic GM and John Lynch. You have now the Garoppolo storyline. Um, you have Richard Sherman. There's just a lot of star power there. Like I, I love hard knocks. I really do. And I, I think the all or nothing series that Amazon does is really good as well, but like they didn't have a compelling storyline with the Rams other than like, Oh, this team is moving. And it, you know, especially for training camp where you don't get the full story of like the Jeff Fisher firing and all, all that goes into that. So I would think the Niners would probably be the, the pick of the litter as far as that goes. And okay. yeah, you know, yeah. I'd be pretty happy. Of course, you did nail it. So I was very ignorant to say the Raiders because there is a six-team eligible list. But it is interesting. Uh, John Lynch did have some interesting comments on it already. He said, it's not something we would be really excited about. I love the show, but I think some things are best left behind closed doors. I fundamentally have a problem with cutting players and things of that nature on camera. It's not something we'd be thrilled about. Now, you know, whether that's ultimately up to them in the end, you know, we'll see how that goes, but... Uh, interesting to come out and be vocal about not wanting to be on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the show. Okay, next one from Brian at 
Ocho McOcho. Big, <laughs> That's a big, good one. Big Bengals fan? Okay. Are there certain teams that go out of their way to land small school players? I don't think so. I, I And there might be GMs that like small school guys over others. Like the, you know, our bartender Dan is a Falcons fan, and he always complains about, oh, they're going to draft some small school guy in the second round. And they do tend to go after some smaller school guys. Um, I think John Dorsey, when he was with Kansas City, um, had a little bit of an affinity for some small schoolers, not necessarily in the first round, but I, the more the more people I talk to, I get the sense that evaluating is more individual, like player by player by player basis than a lot of people in the like in the on the fan side of things realize that it's it's not like let's draft players from Alabama or let's draft yep. players from you know the the FCS or things like that. It's let's just draft the best players because if we miss on these guys, we're going to get fired. So a lot of those. It really just comes down to let's let's just draft good players who aren't going to screw us in the end because we're, we have two to three years to prove we know what we're doing, and you really can't miss. Now, what I will say is one area, you know, and it's valuable in many areas, but one area analytics is extremely valuable is that seventh round to UDFA period because oh god yeah you want to bet on the guys that are not only great athletes but were also productive and a lot of time the guys that were great athletes and super productive that either fall to the seventh round or go undrafted are from small schools so I think that's one way to look at it but to say they go out of their way to prioritize them not necessarily they every team kind of kind of seems to dedicate similar resources more often than not. Even if you don't see a name on the list at the games, they might still have resources in place there. So, okay. Yeah, like, the, I remember with yep. Marcus Davenport, um, because Jeff Schwartz uh, called a game and was like, man, you got to check this kid out. He's really, really good. So, you know, my first step from there is, okay, I'll text some area scouts, maybe try to get some film, get some notes. And they were like, I, who? Like, we don't yep. really even do UTSA. And, you know, that was in like September Obviously, you know, by October, November, they make it ends up on their schedule and they go through there and they're like, holy shit, this guy's an animal. So sorry. Go ahead. No, because that makes complete sense because guys make, you know, the spring ball summer visits and UTSA is not on that list. So until the game film starts popping out, that's that's when it happens. So, all right, Mark, this one from Mark at Mark M. Heston, which quarterback out of Baker, Rosen, Allen and Darnold is the safest pick and who is the biggest bust chance? Man, that's uh, oh. oh God, safest. I, I know who you're gonna say, so I'm just gonna let you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna die on the hill, but it's Josh Rosen to me. He's just super smart. He's the most talented. He's mechanically flawless, and I know that there are concerns about loving football, and people will say I'm insane for calling him the safest pick when that's a concern. I just think he's gonna prove a lot of people wrong. And I think he's going to come in and be a player. I think this there's this weird narrative with him. I understand the concussion concerns, but narratives about frame that he, you know, he played at what, 210, 215 pounds this year. When you're coming back from shoulder surgery, you can't lift weights and gain the weight the same as a normal offseason. That's why he's up to almost 230 pounds now because he's healthy and able to bulk up. He's six foot four. He's got the frame to add weight. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. The biggest bust chance, and, and I know you love him, and I get why everyone loves him, but I still have concerns about Josh Allen's decision-making, and that would be why I think biggest bust chance. But I, for how much everyone loves Sam Darnold, man, I'm not as sure. I'll just say that. I think there is more bust concern than people feel comfortable talking about with him. So I'm I'm the almost exact opposite from you, which is why we we you know, opposites attract here. That's I think right. Darnold I think Darnold's the safest. I really do, just because um and and this is the reason he's my number one quarterback. I have the fewest concerns with him on and off the field. I think he's incredibly intelligent. I feel like he was put in some impossible situations at USC in an offense that wasn't very creative at times. Um, you know, with the other than Rojo, you know, wide receiver core was decimated offensive line. They lost a ton of guys coming back this year. Um, that's not to say that I love him. Someone uh, tweeted me last night. And I, they said, where would Darnold stack up? And I am very close to being done with my evaluation on him and putting a final grade on it. But he will be behind Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. He'll probably be tied with Mitch Trubisky for me, which goes. I liked Mitch a lot, but I wasn't, you know, hopping up on any tables for him. So 
I would say Darnold's the safest, but with a strong qualifier that that doesn't mean that I'm in love with his game. Um, and for me, the biggest bust would be Baker Mayfield. And that's not because I'm a Texas fan. It has nothing to do with that. As some people have started to speculate, it's just about at the end of the day, like I loved watching him play college football, even when he was kicking the shit out of my team, but he is an outlier. And I know that we've all got really excited about him, but like there, those things are still very real that he is a smaller quarterback, a shorter quarterback, at least who is not an explosive athlete. And he did play in a system that created big wide open windows for him. And he played in a conference with shit defenses. And, you know, outside of that, you know, game against he, Ohio state. Yeah. He looked great. And he planted that flag on the field, but, I still worry a little bit about the transition for him from that scheme and that conference to the NFL where windows are going to be tighter, guys are bigger, guys are faster. I don't know that he's going to be able to move around and escape as well as he did uh, at Oklahoma. So I just look at when you start to – when you can scheme against some of the things that he was able to do in college, can you take them away? I think you might be able to a little bit. But I I like them all. I have them all in my top 12 players – I have them all ranked very, very similarly because they all they do all have good strengths, but they all have a weakness that scares me. Yeah, and the spectrum's huge. The Florida ceiling spectrum on these guys is gigantic. So Oh, without they, a doubt, like yeah. even like you said with Josh Allen, I feel like he might be the one where you're either you know, it's like buying a stock. Like it's either gonna he's either gonna be Google or he's gonna be like out of the league. Yep. You know, because I, I don't if he can't fix his mechanics. He's probably Blake Bortles, I guess. So I guess maybe right. on the right team, it could still work. But, you know, and with with Rosen, uh, I guess since, you know, we're running through the list, my concerns are injury related, not not character and not performance. But he was hurt every year and he's a guy who doesn't move in the pocket. You know, he is he will stand in there and take shots. And that that worries me, a guy who doesn't move, who's been hurt a lot and, and not so much because of frame. I mean, he did have a narrow frame this year, but we've seen him. Uh, extend that and carry it out. So I like them all, but I'm also afraid of them all. Man, th- this would make a good article for you. I feel like we. Just it is one down. actually. Yeah. So yeah. I just like gave you guys like my whole article notes. So that's okay though. You can you can double dip. All right. Next one from Jer Schmidt always sends us good questions at GD Schmidt. Would you rather have a walk off home run, buzzer beater three to win, or kick a game winning field goal all at the professional level? Walk off home run for me. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, that's the no, coolest that, shit in, in sports. I think. Or the, like best. Yeah, you get the you get a, a allotted time to gloat about it because you have to do the home run trot. You get to flip the bat. You get to stomp on home plate and get mobbed. And honestly, I mean, me and you are a little uh, biased towards baseball because we love baseball, but there's nothing like it. Nothing no. like and it. like buzzer beater threes are cool. Like I sat around all week and watching basketball. There were some amazing shots, uh, you know, like that Michigan three that kid hit. Like there were some great plays. Like kicking a field goal, like I, like it's kind of almost like okay, cool. Low Who cares? Down the list, Low. way down the list. Like I would put like a great slap shot in hockey to win a, a game over. 100. I actually think hockey overtime is far oh, and a, yes. far and away the best. It's not even close. Now that they got the three on three overtime, yeah. it's or shootout, whatever it comes down to, when it's all said and done. Hockey, I know not everyone's the biggest hockey fan. You know, me and you are. Me and you obviously enjoy hockey a lot, but they have figured out how to make their sport as entertaining as possible in overtime. It's amazing. Super underrated. I can't wait for uh, post-draft when we are uh, jumping into some hockey playoff talk. That's right. That's so, right. And baseball. Yeah. Oh, yes. And two weeks until uh, Royals Royals opener. So, And my Predators are in, uh, first place in the Central. So there we go. Now you know everything about all the teams that, <laughs> that I like. All right, man. Last question uh, from Tom Johnson at TJOline54. When a team changes GM in the offseason, what do you generally look for when selecting a player for that team in mock drafts? So that's a great question because it is something that comes up a lot. If it's a situation like Cleveland or the Giants where that GM has been around before, you can kind of look that way. You know, like you said earlier, Gettleman, who's now at the Giants, selected Christian McCaffrey at eight last year. So we know he does value running backs early. When it's, you know, like last year when the Niners hired John Lynch, no idea. You just... 
that's where it's important to have a network of contacts, whether it be in scouting or coaching that you can kind of reach out to and, and, and not say, Hey, who are you drafting? Because they probably won't answer that question, but you can be like, you know, what, (laughs) you know, like kind of, what are you guys looking for? What's your profile of, you know, what type of quarterback would you like? What type of, you know, pass rusher are you looking for? What best fits your defense? And you can, you can sometimes, you know, play journalist and ask enough questions that you can, you know, kind of get to in a roundabout way, what they're looking for and, and who it might point them to. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you do go with team need. And that is a great question because you and I, and I know DJ does this, obviously uh, Kuiper and McShay do this. Like we connect, we really connect our mocks by knowing how those GMs or front offices in general think or how we've heard they think. So when you really have none of that to work on, you really go to team need. You go, what does the team need? What's the best fit for the scheme? You assume the coaching staff is in place there. You try to, you know, adapt the player to his scheme. So because we're still living in a world where teams draft scheme specific over talent, it seems like. I wonder if that does tend to change going forward in the future as we have guys that are a little more innovative in the league now, like a McVay. Um, so it, it's, yeah, that's a great question. And that's really the only way to do it until you do accumulate enough info on whoever the team does bring in, man. We had a fullback trade while we were answering draft on draft no questions. No way. They, that they, is... Yeah. The, the Raiders sent, uh, Jimmy's Alawale to the Cowboys. He's pretty good. I know it's like, it's yeah. re- weird to get on here and be like, Oh, I've watched him, but like, he's actually, he's a good, really good fullback. I mean, and the, the Cowboys lost Rod Smith. They had to get a fullback. Yeah, so. I mean, listen, the the cat's a great for the Cowboys for Ezekiel Elliott. They're just going to run the shit out of the ball now that he's back for a full season. Oh, so yeah. I like that. Uh, before we go, well, we got a lot to catch up on. We are going to be doing a mock draft next week, you and I. Yes. And then the month of April, we are having stick to football hashtag mock draft Mondays with me, you, and Mello every single Monday in April doing mock drafts. It's going to be wild and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's like the mock draft that you and I do will be a lot different than the mock draft that me, you and Mello end up doing. So um, it is, we have more. We're recording. (laughs) We're recording it Sunday night, which means we could drink beer. Oh, that's true. Cause yeah, yeah, I forget that you haven't been on a, on a recording schedule lately where it's socially acceptable to drink beer. So not since Indy. (laughs) Yeah. That yeah. and it's springtime, which means Sunday nights, Mello and I go and sit on a patio and watch baseball and drink beer, so we can record with you, and then go uh, sit outside and, and drink and talk. And um, it's, I'm looking forward to it, man. Dude, so, I can't wait. Fun show today. Thanks again to the late Van Der Esch for hopping on with us. Really felt like we flexed our muscles a little bit on this Colts Jets trade that I know everyone has been tweeting us about wanting. Uh, our thoughts. I'm glad we jumped in on some quarterbacks here because that's very, very topical right now. So really fun show. And as always, especially now that we're going to be doing three a week, if you guys don't want to miss the show, hop on, hop on Apple. Apple. Let me try that again. (laughs) Hop on Apple podcast. That's tough. And you can subscribe, download, rate the show. Uh, If you're on Android, you can get it on Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere that you would like to get a podcast. So for Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to you guys soon.